0: Hi, I'm David Franklin, and you're listening to episode four of season two of the Shintaido of America podcast. Shintaido, in case you haven't heard this word, is an amazing body movement practice, a dynamic and creative holistic health exercise invented in Japan in the 1960s. Shintaido can be a way to open up to a deeper connection with ourselves, with our communities, and with nature. In this episode, you're going to hear my interview with Brad Larson, an interactive media expert and Shintaido instructor. Brad got his master's degree at the Interactive Technologies in Education program at Harvard Graduate School of Education and did a work-study program at Massachusetts Institute of Technology's world-famous Media Lab. He has worked as technology developer at the Boston Children's Museum and has contributed to exhibits at the Smithsonian's National Zoo in Washington, D.C., the American Museum of Natural History in New York, the Science Museum of Minnesota, and the Fort Worth Museum of Science and History. Brad uses personal stories to build connection in museum exhibits, broadcast, and community projects. Okay, ready? Here we go. Hi, Brad. Welcome to the Shintaito of America podcast. Hey,
1: David. Good to be here.
0: Now, you're a Shintaito instructor. You've been practicing Shintaito for quite a few years. I want to take you back in time. And if you can, try to describe for me what your impressions were when you first saw this movement art thing and what you did or didn't know about it, or what you remember.
1: Yeah, you know, I remember I was starting out, I was going to graduate school, Harvard Graduate School of Education, and I was looking through their booklet for activities. And I knew I wanted something that was good at exercise, but also expressive. And it was kind of in the back of my mind. I thought, I, I'd like to be more expressive physically. And then, I wish I still had the description, but the description, which you probably wrote, <laughs> was very compelling. Uh, and it was exactly it. It was, uh, you know, it's good exercise, it's good expression. And so I had a feeling right away that, okay, this is it, I'm going to do this, uh, even before seeing any anything. Um, so yes, I,
0: and that brings us right to our next point, because you became part of the Harvard University Shintaido Club after having seen a demonstration of Shintaido right in the middle of Harvard Yard in Cambridge, Massachusetts. What was that like?
1: Yeah, you know, um, so the thing I remember is uh, people running through Harvard Yard sort of shouting or using their voices with their hands over their heads. And at that point, I already knew that I was interested in Shintaido, and um, I was coming out of the Midwest, grew up in the Midwest, of course, we don't do that in the Midwest, Uh, but I had also just finished travels through Egypt, India, Taiwan, Japan, and I was just thinking, oh, that's interesting, I guess that's what they do in Massachusetts or something, it didn't seem like uh, that out of the ordinary, it's like, huh, okay, interesting uh in retrospect it still it was pretty out of the ordinary but uh at the time i already felt connected to it so I, I remember watching the demo i remember talking with uh i think you and michael thompson and a few other people um afterwards and i said okay when's when's the next uh, practice when is the next session let's do it so yeah i was um interested even before the first demo
0: well i think it is quite unusual no matter where you go in the world, um, so um, I, I don't want to blame New England for the for the um, uh, let's say experimental or avant-garde nature of Shintaido. Um, I found it personally pretty strange and unusual the first time I saw it, which was also at Harvard. Just I don't know, maybe a year or two before you. Besides Shintaido, you work in museum exhibit media. Can you just talk about that a little bit in general about your job? And then I'm going to focus in on maybe some relevant questions.
1: Yeah, you know, so, so there are multiple layers to what I'm doing in this world. And, and the big one for me has been working with museums on um, stories and on visitors own stories. So I've developed software that makes it easy for museums to um, ask visitors about their experience. Uh, and, and that's recorded. It goes up to a cloud-based content management system that we've developed. Uh, but, you know, it's very experiential. And maybe that's a theme that connects um, to Shintaido as well. It's, it's focused on uh, what's my experience? How am I feeling? How am I in this world and uh, starting to value uh, experiences? And so my goal there is to help people to um, connect and to value their experiences. Uh, so that's, that's one piece, and, um, and there are a lot of other pieces too. I'm, I, I love uh, writing haiku, and I love nature photography, uh, so I'm working on a book of haiku, and, um, and that actually connects to shintaido as well, uh, because a lot of the haiku is based on my practice of shintaido, my running through the woods with a staff, um, so yeah.
0: Well, for listeners who probably most people have heard this word haiku, but it's a specific genre of Japanese poetry, or a specific genre of poetry originally developed in Japan, Uh, you obviously, as I know, are writing haiku in English, not in Japanese, so it's maybe much like Shintaito, it's become a universal international genre, not strictly a Japanese thing. Um, But what... Let's talk about this, because this is a common theme in Shintaido and in haiku poetry, this connection with nature. Um, Can can you say anything more about that? I mean, obviously, I think uh, many people just have this pleasant feeling. Oh, I'm going to go out to a place where in a natural environment and see, you know, trees and water and things. Um, Do you have anything that you can add to that besides it's pleasant
1: yeah, you, you know, when you practice haiku, <clears throat> you you start to look out to the world even a little more deeply or a little more openly um, because I know if I'm starting a run and uh, through the woods and I know that I want to capture a photo and then write haiku about that photo, my eyes are a little wider open. And so then I'm, I'm looking around as I'm running and, and I run the same trail up this hill, Rattlesnake Hill, uh, several times a week. So I get to see it changing over seasons. And, and that sort of connection to nature, to the sky, to the earth, those are really powerful pieces of experience in nature. And as well, they're a, a powerful part of Shintaido, connecting to the sky, connecting to the earth, um, and so those come together. The uh, the practice of connecting to the sky and the earth can inspire haiku and inspire photography. Um, so uh, there, there really is a lot of benefit to. Um, taking a physical practice like Shintaido and then integrating that with the other pieces of your life.
0: You mentioned earlier about uh, running through the woods with a stick or a large staff. Of course, um, classically in the in the Japanese disciplines that Shintaido was derived from, there is a specific type of, well, two specific types of staff. The bow staff, which is about six feet or two meters. The jo staff, which is about, uh, I don't know, four feet or a meter and a half, something like that. Um, but I got the impression that somehow this work with the stick has something to do with this theme of connecting to nature. Is, is, that, is that? Do you feel that way?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I, I think of it would almost like an antenna, the staff. It connects to the world around. As I move the staff across the horizon, my eyes are looking at the horizon, and as I move the staff up to the sky, I'm looking up at the sky, and so it's natural, the natural form of the staff extends our connection to the world around us. Um, it, For me, it, it gives me a feeling of increased focus, increased energy, maybe increased is you know the 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 feeling of this staff and um, moving it uh, around i um I've always loved the staff you know starting with the bow staff uh, uh and then and then discovering as time went on the Joe staff one thing I love about the Joe staff is that it's so flexible and it's not like carrying this big six foot stick around it can be a hiking stick, and I've used hiking sticks as a joe staff uh a lot of times um and uh, so there are a lot of there are a lot of things you can do with the joe staff as well you can, you can imagine it's a sword or you could use it as a staff and, and a number of other things
0: and do you when you when we say that holding this stick in your hands while you're doing these movements helps you to connect with nature like are you talking about specific features in the landscape uh, you know, ponds, rocks, hills, uh, leaves, and so on?
1: Yeah, you know, some of the basics are connecting to the sky and connecting to the earth. Those are two such fundamental pieces of our own experience and such fundamental parts of Shintaido connecting to the sky, connecting to the earth. And you know, simply lifting the staff up to the sky and following it with your eyes and seeing the staff up in the sky is a powerful experience uh lowering the staff and depending on you hold the staff how you're holding the staff if you're holding it with two hands to lower it down to the ground and crouch down you're you're close to the ground, so the staff is bringing you down to the ground. And that alternation of connecting to sky and earth, you know, do that five times or 10 times and gradually your awareness fills with sky and earth. Uh, you're moving, you're feeling the sky, you're feeling the earth. So that's like one of the really basic things. Um, you, know, you can connect to other things as well. If you're using the staff as a sword, you're following the sword with your eyes and you're seeing the horizon. And one thing I love about doing this in nature is there are so many interesting things you can see on the horizon and so many interesting places you can go. Uh, if I'm on the top of Rattlesnake Hill, on top of a boulder, that's beautiful. I, I can see miles and miles, 20 miles or so uh, looking out. And there's, then there's another place I love to go that's on the edge of a vernal pool. And uh, at that vernal pool, I can move the staff around and uh, do this form, Diamond ache Cut, uh, that uh, I love to do that also is very connecting to nature. And that's a different feeling. So, you know, really working with the landscape around us so that we're saying, huh, here I am on the edge of this vernal pool. What form feels good to me? What does, how can I connect with this pool? through different forms, either with my hands or the staff. And um, and that's, I think, one of the fundamental ways of uh, uh, practicing ancient ido is to look for those connections to the world around us.
0: I personally find that you, holding a staff in my hands as I'm doing movement also helps me to become more aware of my own body, my own body movements, and let's say the degree of naturalness or unnaturalness in my movements, because when you do an unnatural movement or an artificial movement, the staff kind of amplifies it and shows you that this doesn't really work uh, in the way that you expected, because you're not working with the physics and the natural, the laws of physics and mechanics. Um, Which brings to mind, you know, while you were at the Graduate School of Education at Harvard— I was at Harvard studying cultural anthropology, which very much relates to the early history of humanity and especially one of the things that, uh, I don't want to say it makes us unique in the animal world because the more we learn, the more we discover other animals using tools. But um, what about this, this idea of the stick as the first Human tool, does it does it resonate with you?
1: You know, it does. Uh, there's a practitioner, her faith ankles uh, who was practicing way back when uh, when I started, and a couple of things. One thing I always noticed is that she was always smiling when she was running around with a staff, and I kind of like, huh, whoa, does that feel good? What what's going on there? And, and so that sort of planted a seed in my mind that can, there can be enjoyment in playing with a tool, playing with a tool like a staff or a stick. And then secondly, in faith, and I'm sure others have, as you mentioned, made this point that the stick was probably human's first tool. And so it's natural to, to walk around with a staff, to run around with a staff, in fact, I would love to make it a more common practice to uh, walk around with a staff in daily life. You know, uh, there are so many times when you want to touch something a little out of your reach or uh, do something and, you know, oh, if I just had a stick or a staff, that would, that would help so much. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's natural to make our first tool a basic part of our exercise and a basic part of... Connecting to the world. Uh, for a while, I-, I was doing some woodworking and uh, went to a wood shop and said, I'm going to make the perfect staff. And so it was hard. Uh, the Joe staff and the Bo staff are really, I mean, they're thin. When you sand it through a table saw, it's kind of a dangerous, uh, scary experience. And, uh, and these staffs are generally not just round things. We like to have facets in the staff. So uh, we have 16 facets in most of our staffs. And so you get a feeling of texture in your hands as you're working with the staff. Uh, so for a while, I was thinking, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to... Uh, you know, create the perfect staff that just feels so good. And I I looked at a number of materials. Hickory is a nice, sustainable wood that's got some beautiful variations in colors. And, And sometimes I would say, why am I spending so much time making these staffs, these sticks? And I sort of realized that the stick is such a powerful tool. If I really use the stick frequently in practice to exercise, to run around, it could add two years to my life. It could add, or maybe the last five years or the last 10 years of my life, I won't walk around stooped over, but I'll be standing straight up and looking out at the world. And so that was part of my motivation to say, oh, this is a, this is an important thing. This could really uh, help me live a longer, happier life. And so that's why I kept working at it. And I, I, I did come up with a couple of staffs that felt pretty good, but
0: uh, yeah. This is the Shintaito of America podcast, and you've just been listening to the first part of my interview with Shintaito instructor and interactive media expert, Brad Larson. I'm David Franklin. We're about to hear part two of the interview with Brad, but before we get to that, if you're enjoying today's podcast, the most important thing you can do to help out is to tell people about us. I want to give a big shout out to those of you who have already shared the podcast on social media and who gave us a good rating on whichever podcasting app you're using. If you haven't done that yet, it would be great if you could just hit pause and do that right now. Share the podcast on social media and give us a good rating, and then hit play again. I'll wait. Okay, thanks. On with the show. Here's part two of my interview with Shintaido instructor and interactive media expert Brad Larson. One thing I wanted to ask you since you are involved professionally in museum exhibit design, let's imagine that there were a museum exhibit about Shintaido to try to help people see it, understand what it is show it to them somehow. Uh, Can you say anything about your approach? How would you approach if if Shintaido came to you as a client and said, Mr. Larson, design us, we have a museum, design an exhibit for us.
1: Yeah, you know, so my natural inclination being in the media business is to think about media. Uh, But really, I would want to convey the fun that people are having. When when I see practicing Shintaido, there's a lot of smiles, people are laughing, uh, enjoying being with each other, enjoying sometimes playing around, sometimes chasing each other around in different ways, playing around. And so I'd want to have on the outside of the exhibit a large monitor just showing people doing interesting, fun things and having a good time. Uh, and, that, and that's, you know, the basic, and that's, I, I really think that's such a part of our practice. Uh, once we got people interested that way, they would walk into the exhibit, and then they'd see a couple of stations. Uh, one station would, and, and, do, and, and the stations would illustrate an exercise that you could do with a person who's with you, because so much of the museum experience is a social experience. And so much of shintaido is a social experience. So, we could have um, we could have one station where we have people just jumping, you know, just simply jumping up and down, and that's a, a basic uh, exercise in shintaido tachi jump, uh, and and to do it with partner where you have one person who's sort of leading the jumping with their hands and the other who's following the jumping with their hands on their hands. It's just a a nice relaxing activity. You relax your body, you relax your shoulders, you have a connection with someone who's with you, and so to have that experience, I think, would have to be part of the exhibit. Uh, And then the other part that people always love, and I I. Take people up Rattlesnake Hill sometimes with a with staff. I'll lead people up and we'll begin it with an exercise exploring that kind of jumping energy. And then also something more of a soft meditative energy. And for that, people love seaweed meditation, uh, where one partner closes their eyes and imagines they're a seaweed on the bottom of the ocean. Their feet are planted on the ocean. And their body is kind of gently moving in the currents and you can do that either yourself or with a partner and the partner can gently touch your shoulder front and back and other or your hips front and back and as the seaweed you're flowing with the ocean and uh, that's that's an exercise people love to do You know, do that for a minute or two minutes with their eyes closed and then open up and it's just such a nice, relaxed feeling. So I think that's how we would get people to the experiential state, um, those two exercises. Uh, The last thing we would do is send people home with something, you know, that's always the challenge in museum exhibits. Do people really do anything differently after the exhibit? Uh, So we would want some way of pointing them, maybe to do those exercises themselves when they got home, to send them a reminder like, oh, remember that jumping that you did? You can do that every day. You can take breaks from your computer and stand up and just jump 50 times and uh, relax your body. Uh, So uh, some sort of follow-up, I think, would be the way we would send people out of the exhibit.
0: I just wanted to mention for our listeners in many parts of the world that Rattlesnake Hill is a place in southeastern Massachusetts, which brings us to our next point. Brad Larson, your Shantydo instructor, tell us a little bit about your teaching activities.
1: Yeah, so um, so I've been planning to do a few workshops this spring, uh, especially focusing on connection to nature and uh, with staffs uh details and timing mean, are still being worked out but i'm uh, once we've got that we'll post that um on the shinto of america website um, plus here in shinto new uh shinto northeast we have been talking about hosting uh weekly zoom-based practices not necessarily a full on and on shinto practice or echo, but simple exercises based on Shintaido, uh, just maybe 45 minutes or so that people can do from home. Uh, so those are two things to keep an eye on, and we will post up on uh, the Shintaido of America website and, and eventually the Shintaido Northeast website as well.
0: Cool. I'm going to ask you a few more random questions just to follow up. Yeah. Um. Obviously, COVID has influenced people's use of media like Zoom, as you're talking about, to conduct all kinds of activities that in the past we used to do only in person. And Shintaido depends so much on physical presence and physicality um, and physical interaction. Do you have any tips or as as a media expert yourself in the field of museum exhibitions, do you have any tips for... Uh, people presenting body movement, such as Shintaido, through this digital medium of, for example, an online meeting streamed live?
1: Yeah, we did some, at Shintaido Northeast, we did some Zoom practices about a year ago or so, uh, maybe even a year and a half when, when the pandemic was even more full on. And so we thought about how do we get people in their homes into this uh, movement in space and you know some of it is just thinking about the basics uh, to have people situate themselves in their homes and look around the room and see oh do I have enough room to move around what's the space like I mean that's a lot of martial arts itself is an awareness of your space what's in front of you what's behind you uh, above or below and um, that's one thing and we we also experimented with can two people actually interact with each other on Zoom? Can it feel like that it's not just uh, here we are, look at me, kind of thing, but I'm actually going to reach out towards you and you're going to respond and move back. So we did play around with that a little bit and surprisingly, and maybe it's because we have so much social connection in our practice that we could in some ways start to get a feeling for the other, start to feel connected to the other person, even though we were just in our own spaces looking at the computer. Obviously, it's much better uh, if we can practice in person, but that's not always practical, and we'll always find a way to get some of the essentials out there.
0: Nicely said. Oh, last question. Um, Because we were talking earlier, we were talking earlier about the the experience of Shintaido and sort of um, you know, getting out of an excessively intellectual space and into a really experiential space, which relates to Shintaido as a body movement, it relates to poetry, of course, it relates maybe to any artistic expression. Do you remember any moments in your Shintaido career when you felt that you were able to overcome thinking too much about what you were doing, and and how did that and, and go with the flow in a way that was that was, was that was new for you, and how did that come about?
1: I mean, it's it's not hard for me to think of that at all. It's something that happens all the time uh, to get out of my head and get into the body, and uh, especially to be running with a staff through nature. To be running on a surface that's not always even sometimes has some boulders ups and downs rocks left here right there and that sort of organic nature of running through wilderness trails with a stick i i think really does pull me out of my mind it puts me in my body and and just to take this another direction um you know, I, I think this is helpful, so helpful in other things and, you know, dance is one of those other things. I love doing, you know, there are a number of names for it, uh, ecstatic dance or conscious dance or freestyle dance. And um, I've really found that some of the movements that we do in Shintaido, and some of the connections that we have with partners... Can be applied to dance. Not that we necessarily say Shintaido will make you a great dancer, but uh, we can say that connecting to people uh, through our movement, through uh, Shintaido and Shintaido forms, also applies to other forms. And so, a lot of times in some of the dance that I do, I, I there's another form, uh, Biodanza, that grew out of Chile about 50 years ago, where we focus a lot on our connections, connection to group in a circle connection to individual partners, connections internally. And I frequently find myself drawing on some of the experiences I've had in Shintaido. It's like, oh, what does it feel like in dance if I come into their space and then pull back from the space? What's that feel like? And people enjoy that. Uh, I enjoy that. It's uh, it's, uh, a fun part of movement and it transcends the boundaries of one art form.
0: Brad Larson, thank you very much for joining us on the Shintaito of America podcast.
1: My pleasure. Thank you, David.
0: This is the Shintaito of America podcast. You've just been hearing an interview with Brad Larson, and I'm Shintaito instructor David Franklin. We're nearly done, but be sure to listen through to the end of the credits for The Cherry. Before the cherry, I'm going to pass the hat among you who are hearing the sound of my voice and do a bit of busking here on the information superhighway. Shintaito of America is a totally member-supported, non-profit organization, and there are many ways to support our truly micro-budget production of educational materials. And I really mean that we produce a huge amount of content on volunteer power— but some things just require a few bucks in the bank. So one way is to make a one-time donation in any amount or to become a member of Shintaido of America for $60 per year, if you're hearing this in 2023. It would mean a great deal to our hard-working team. You can do that, sign up for our free email newsletter, and also find all kinds of free educational resources at our website, where you can also find all the previous episodes of this podcast, which is www.shintaido.org. That's www.shintaido.org. That's whiskey, 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 dot Sierra Hotel, India, November, Tango, Alpha, India, Delta, Oscar, dot Oscar, Romeo, Golf. Got it? You can also find us on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube by searching for Shintaido of America, and our email address is podcast at shintaido.org. Our episode today was recorded and edited by me, David Franklin, with support from Sarah Baker, Connie Borden, Teresa Soldatova, Jim Sterling, the Joe Zawilski Memorial Fund, and of course, the members of Shintaido of America. Thank you. Okay, here's the cherry. A few years ago, at an international conference on research in education and social anthropology, a French researcher told me, the most basic question is whether education allows the child to manage their contradictions in order to transcend them. In order to understand and communicate with other human beings, you must learn to remain as you are, coherent, while retaining the ability to become other. That was a quote from an article in the spring 1991 issue of the Shintaito of America newsletter by Jean-Rémy Delage. And guess what? You can find back issues of Body Dialogue and the Shintaito of America newsletter, as well as previous episodes of this podcast, all for free at our website, www.shintaito.org. Thanks for listening to the Shintaito of America podcast. Contents of this podcast, copyright, Shintaito of America 2023. Shintaito, Opening to Life.